The next station is Behind the Scenes. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Welcome in, everyone, one and all, to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Take a seat. Hope you're all well. It is Wednesday, the 15th of August. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to have you back. Uh, if this is your first time, welcome aboard the train tour of the UK. This, is, of course, is Britball Week, and we're going to be looking at, um, obviously, Monday was Bristol. Tuesday was East Kilbride Pirates. Uh, today, we're going to be looking behind the scenes, uh, what goes into American football in this country. Tomorrow, we will have Manchester Titans. Uh, and Friday, we'll look, we're hopefully going to have Tamworth Phoenix and the Sheffield Giants to a double bumper episode for you. Before we get into today's, today's show with Roger Goodgroves, uh, just a couple of things to make you aware, aware of. Obviously, yep, this is Britball Week, so looking to sh- put a bit of focus, shine the light, if you will, on the game over in this country. Obviously, we all love the NFL, we all love the college game, we all love fantasy football, but I think Britball and American football in this country gets overlooked quite a lot. And so just trying to encourage people that maybe haven't gone to a game yet, don't really know that they've got a local team, to get down support. Um, the game needs a lot of uh, funds uh, raising in this country to help teams succeed. And we're looking to do that by doing some fundraising ourselves. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where we have a fundraising page and you can find out all about how you can donate and what that, um, what, what that will go towards. So, so obviously we are looking to help fundraise for double coverage we're looking to help fundraise for some teams in this uh, country or the UK I suppose since I'm in Scotland uh, and some other groups as well that look to help buy equipment for teams that are you know it's not the uh, cheapest of equipment to buy pads and helmets and all, all the like so if we can do our bit to help those then I'm more than happy to do so if you ever just give him a page for you to be able to donate and if you do donate we will be setting up some competitions in the next week or so so we're going to be doing some pick'em competitions we're going to be doing some last man standing competitions so if you are a donator and you donate on the page you will uh, be able to uh, get an entry into those competitions to hopefully win some fabulous prizes to be confirmed uh, you can also join us on Twitter uh, at Full Ten Yards to follow us near approaching the 400 mark. Now, very blessed and very grateful to each and every one of you. Today's show, like I say, is Roger Goodgroves. Uh, he is a guy that works behind the scenes. He used to play uh, Brit Ball back in the day, and we'll be hearing all about what's changed from 10, 20 years ago from to what it is today. Um, so, I hope you enjoy that. And he is also a part of a, a backroom staff that help schedule referees. So we'll be talking about what goes into scheduling referees and how, you know, if you actually want to become a referee, maybe you're a bit too old to play, or maybe you are a bit weak, like such as I, uh, and you maybe you are interested in the game and in refereeing, what that kind of look, that journey looks like, how long it will take, what you need to go through to officiate in a game over in this country. Um, so we're going to get right into it. I hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, next up on the Britball week, we have Roger Goodgroves, who 
is not necessarily a player uh, now, but obviously back in the 80s uh, when Britball came about, uh, was was a player and then of, of some coaching as well. But now he is more of the administrative side and I'm delighted to say he can join us today to kind of talk about uh, Britball and how it's evolved over the years, but also what he puts into, into the game now. Roger, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Yeah, welcome. I'm very good, very warm. Very warm, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's very much a very much a hot spell, but um, luckily I've evaded that. Being in being in the middle middle part of, of Scotland, it's uh, reverted yes. back to it, its its type, um, shall we say, for <laughs> for August. But um, we, uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not complaining. So I'm I'm due to go down south in a couple of weeks. So I'm no doubt I'll uh, experience uh, the cool the down end. by then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll bring I'll bring some rain down with me, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we need it. <laughs> Roger, uh, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Um, yeah, so do you just want to give the, the listeners obviously a bit of background into obviously your Britball experience uh, yeah, way sure. back when when you were a player and you're coaching obviously teams you played for and and what it was like, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I started back uh, in 83, 84 um, with a team called Northampton Stormbringers who later became Northampton Storm. Um, we were one of the first teams to form in the UK in the early hours of, um, or early days of Britball, um, when there weren't very many people. We didn't have much kit. In fact, our, interesting story, we had our, our first ever kit we got was from Northampton, Massachusetts. So a college team, for some reason, somebody had a link up Twin Town or something, I guess. And um, so they were throwing out some of their old gear, and so we inherited it. Nice. So we were playing in um, last last people's uh, kit, helmets, pads. And uh, our first ever game, we had to borrow the Manchester Spartans kit uh, for jerseys and pants because we didn't have any of our own. <laughs> so that, I, I hope they were all clean. <laughs> I hope they were all clean. Uh, yeah, as clean as American <laughs> football's get, I suspect. <laughs> So what was um so has the equipment yeah obviously the padding and uh, maybe helmets and 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 obviously their cleats nowadays but what's kind of what's the difference if if any between now now and then what's the uh, especially the pads is kind of more where I'm going with the question is has that changed much mm. over the years? Yeah, they have. I mean, they're they're generally lighter and better put together than the, certainly the stuff that we had originally. But I'm they're, they're always evolving over the years. You know, new techniques, new materials come out lighter, stronger. Etc. Mm. And obviously they, they designed them to protect people better. Mm. Uh, I remember the olden days. It was almost like wearing a, a wooden table on your shoulders. <laughs> um, your shirt stuck out so far. You used to walk through doorways and, okay, and misjudge it nearly all the time. I just I had I had visions myself of just being wrapped in five five layers of bubble wrap, I suppose, and then running for, for the chest for the chest. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, a bit yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what um what what position did you play? And just want to give maybe a, an insight into kind of what what kind of went in behind the scenes into like maybe you know did you have training do you have obviously you haven't got the technology these days to do you know some teams log in uh to, yeah, to look none at of the scale trouble that we get nowadays no mm. um yeah yeah training was was intense and we had some really good trainers and some really good coaching and we had some american players which um uh, Northampton was fairly well situated for a variety of u.s air force bases mm. and uh, we had a few players who um come over ex-college players who played for us which really helped us because obviously their insight when you know all we saw was channel four for an hour once a week yeah. um so we didn't have the insight and the internet wasn't you know like it is now no. and uh, couldn't just look up what you wanted to see so uh, that that 
experience from those people um, was invaluable. And we had some really good coaches. And uh, in our glory days, we got to the Brit Bowl final with uh, an American coach who really knew his stuff. And sadly, he's passed away this year. But uh, Don Markham, who was very good and brought some uh, good coaching skills with him. Mm. Um, in terms of playing position, I actually started as running back. I have a, a background in rugby. I played rugby league up in Hull. Okay. And uh, so when I moved back down to Northampton, of course, there was no rugby league back in those days down south, yeah. the northerners sport. Yeah. And um, so I was looking for things to do. And one of my friends had also moved from up north, mentioned that uh, they were training for American football at the local park. And I mm. said, oh, I'll go along and try that. My original envisaged position was a linebacker, but they quickly realised that wasn't for me and uh, <laughs> realised I had a bit of speed, so they uh, put me as running back. And then over the years, as I bulked up, uh, slowed down, whichever it was, then I ended up as tight end. Okay. But played most positions on the offence at one time or another when they were short, <laughs> even even the lineman positions. Yeah. And what, what was they your what, really what, what was your favourite? Um. <sighs> Difficult. I think running back, you you get the glory, you get score more touchdowns, <laughs> yeah. and um, you know you, you appear to make more difference to the game. But the thing I liked about American football, which I think can appeal to a lot of people, was that I was a winger in rugby, and so we spent most of the game running up and down, waiting for the ball to come out to the wing, yeah. then trying to do something with it. And when I changed to American football, the first thing that really struck me is on every play I had a purpose. Yeah. It wasn't just being there just in case or a decoy. Mm-hmm. It was I could make a really difference on every single play yep. and that was um, amazing mm. and so I, th- I think to answer your question tight end is probably the position because um, in that you're doing a bit of everything you're yep. catching balls you're blocking um, you even running depending on the, the formations that uh, you get to run out of so uh, yeah, it had all sorts in that position so I liked it from that point of view. Yeah. And were there, mate, were, were there any particular um, things that you didn't particularly like playing uh, American football? Obviously, uh, the the health and safety, I think, obviously, is something that's been... <laughs> Pain been and more... suffering. No, <laughs> all part of the game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were the inevitable injuries that you um, pick up. Um, you know, it's it's a tough sport. So is rugby, you know. It's not, yeah. you know they're different because you have padding, which incidentally came about for American football, not because they're softies, but yeah. because... So many people died of head injuries that yep. they started having to have head coverings. Mm. And then as a result of the head coverings, they needed to protect the shoulders and delicate bones that got broken as a result. Yeah. So the, the padding came about. But the game is played very differently. Like I said, on every play, there's something to do. So I'd be blocking on every play where in rugby, that you know, that's not the case. Most people, most of the time, aren't contacting somebody. Yeah. Right? It's very different in American football where it is every play somebody's contacting somebody. Yeah. Yeah, certainly um I've say I've I've just had a couple of training sessions over the last couple of weeks and I've managed to pick up two injuries in the, uh one for each week. So uh yeah, I can certainly attest yeah. to it being a difficult sport and you yeah, know it's it's quite funny actually the uh, the common misconception about the pads being because we're because we're softies, you know what I mean. Even if you, you know, because yeah, some of the exactly. some of the hits are, are very hard, and say being a rugby player yourself, I'd, I'd probably even say that the uh, the hits in American football are a lot harder, and you fall from a lot higher usually as well. Because rugby, maybe you go down as as contact yeah. comes, but you know, so yeah, it's a different sport. Mm. I mean, they're both tough and paid at the highest level. They're yeah. very tough. Yeah. Um, but you know, the the equipment has certainly enhanced people's perception yeah. of safety within it, and yeah. that is also something that creates a problem in itself. Mm. And um, the helmet technology, whilst protecting the people that are wearing them, obviously uh, gives people a feeling that they can use the helmet sometimes. Yeah. And that's obviously something that's changed in the game in the last twenty or thirty years, where now there's 
changes afoot to take the head out of the game and there's more tackling like rugby players would do. Yeah. That's now been taught yeah. in all levels of the uh, NFL downwards. Yeah. So they're, they're learning to keep their head up, keep their head out of the way of the tackle, whereas in the past, the head was very much part of mm. the tackling process. Yeah, it was obviously the, yeah, the brunt of the of the battering ram, wasn't it? So, but so, yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we haven't, um, all the training sessions that we've done so far, haven't put any any kind of kit on yet. And I'm, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, but putting putting a helmet <laughs> on uh, obviously changes. Obviously, when you play without pads and helmets, it's easier yeah, to, it easy to different. catch the ball and it's easier to, to see what's going on around you. So it'd be quite interesting to see. I've never worn, obviously, a helmet before. So just to be interested and see if that changes anything, obviously. You've, yeah, it you've takes a bit of getting used to because yeah. you're not, you know, if you think from a rugby background, you're used to trying to keep your head out of the way. Whereas with the helmet on, you have that protection, but the, the mind still tells you mm. that you're vulnerable. Yeah. And um, that's something you need to sort of learn to get over and use the equipment to, to your benefit. Yeah. Yeah, and I say obviously the, the thing that that, that um, I'll probably take a bit of time to get used to as well is the vision because obviously your vision's kind of tunneled a little bit and uh, just because of the safety. <laughs> so it'd be interesting to see how that that comes across. Yeah, but yeah you obviously need to learn to keep your head on a swivel and because uh, somebody can come in at you from all sides. Oh, so yeah. that's one thing you learn very quickly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, okay, so yeah, obviously that was your your playing um, your playing time uh, back in back in the eighties. So did you, you say you obviously turns to to coaching a little bit? So do you want to just expand yeah, on I, that? When I stopped playing, um, I, I, I went out on a peak, I guess. I, I played in the Brit Ball final against Manchester Spartans. Um, so linked back to them, who lent us a first shirt. Nice. Um, and then I decided to stop playing at the end of that season. And then I started coaching um, various different levels um, through juniors and and then back in Northampton. Um, various uh, positions there was that, and was then that due to age? family came along and stopped for a while and now I'm back um, on the field as an official <laughs> oh okay yeah 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 and so did, did you retire uh, from from playing just was it because of age or injury or family a mixture of the two and family pressures um, it takes a lot of time playing yeah. and coaching particularly yeah. um, and that time pressure when you've got young children and I had a job that then moved away and so it made it very difficult to get practice yeah. and uh, get back to practice we were practicing two or three times a week so getting back in time yeah. and was becoming more and more difficult mm. add that to the family pressures and then inevitably it uh, something has to give yeah absolutely it's either yeah. the marriage or the football so um, <laughs> unfortunately the football went first then the marriage went later yeah. <laughs> um, no, no comment no comment on that one yeah but no certainly certainly it's a sport that you you have to invest a lot of time and effort in to be able to even perform adequately in in you know the, your scheme your, your setups because obviously if you don't put that time in you're, you're either not going to be on the field or someone else in the team is going to get a whack obviously if you're if you're on I offense mean, and actually that's one thing i like about Britball, which is yes it's true that to to get the most out that you need to give a lot but there is a vast array of different quality and levels within Britball. And you can play for a team that is, how shall we say, casual, would probably be doing it a disservice, but certainly not as dedicated as the teams in the Premier Division. Yep. And you can still get out on the field and enjoy a good game. And you don't have to be at that Prem level in order to do it. So it, it is very accessible. Mm. And even if you uh, don't want to do the kitted version, there's flag. Uh, yeah, yep. and that's really growing. And uh, thanks to Jacksonville Jaguars, that's really growing also at a youth level. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But um, yeah, because they they had a camp, I think, down down <laughs> south for a couple of days, didn't they? Uh, a couple of weeks ago. 
Yes. From, from, I remember, that was very, very successful. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville Jaguars have done quite a lot for, for the game over here. Obviously, they, they're part of the the international series every year and they probably will be for, for God knows how long. Um, yeah. yeah, no, they've certainly um, got a lot of press this year on, on you know, going to schools, doing academies and getting people interested. And uh, yeah, I'd, yeah I'd, I'd like to think I was anyways, actually at the um, Jaguars Academy that they run for the British players the other week, okay. uh, but in a different capacity, not as an official, mm. but I was actually uh, representing a, a website called Double Coverage. So yep. I was taking some pictures there of uh, what they were doing with the players. Mm. And uh, what was that like to, to see kind of them in the flesh and up and up, up close and personal? What was that like? Yeah, I don't often get awestruck, but, you know, the, the, the likes of Mark Brunel there and, you know, he's throwing passes around and you know, one straight one goes my way. And I'm thinking, I got a pass from Mike, Mark Brunel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's been to Super Bowls. <laughs> so, it's, uh, yeah. It's a little like that, but no, it was amazing to see and the uh, the, the whole training uh, setup there with the level of coaches that come across. It's just amazing to even have that in this country. Yeah. So uh, yeah. all juice the Jaguars for that. Yeah, and I say hopefully the hopefully with that it, it escalates every year and kind of the only way the only way is up for that. And again, hopefully it, it will encourage people to join. Obviously, hopefully get it into some school programs, and hopefully we can mm. essentially see. Obviously, the end goal is to. To see the the standard over here rise, obviously the uh, yeah, the, the GB Lions have just come. I think have just come back from from Finland, and I think we yeah. won one game. I think wasn't it? And we, we you know, I think we lost the first two in that. But yeah, essentially, yeah, unfortunately, lost the first two and uh, won the uh, won the, the uh, deciding finalists, uh, which yeah. is good. Yeah, but, uh, say, yes, yeah, could hopefully, have been better, but you know, yeah, these things happen. No, I say the, one of the every tournament. No, no, and I, I think and, one, one and of the, our our women are also doing well. I mean, they they did uh, the world championships and did really well, I mean, much better than the uh, the men's uh, version. But you know, as I said, it's accessible at all levels, and you know, male and female. Yeah, I was officiating at the under seventeen kitted uh, games on um, Saturday in Derby, and oh. um, there were lots of mixed teams there, so it was great to see. Mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, like I say again, the end the end goal is obviously to obviously drive up participation, get a better quality game and product over here, and to say things like Jacksonville Jaguar doing academies can can only help that. So I know uh, one of the guests we had on uh, yesterday or previously um, was talking about how the French the French government are quite behind it and invest quite a lot of money into it as well. So that was obviously quite mm. surprising. So hopefully you know it's not as big for our you know it's not high on the priority list for for maybe our our, our government or. You know, invest in that. Kind no, of stuff, yeah, I think we have other priorities. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But hopefully, you know, some at some point in the future, we can, you know, Jacksonville yes, Jaguars absolutely. at least get more funding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and if we can get any any fundraising things going or ideas, obviously from from clubs and obviously because again, American football is not a, not a cheap, um, not always a cheap sport to play. So again, not at all. No, and uh, going back to one of your questions earlier, you know, differences between now and then. Back um, in the day when I was playing, we had sponsors like Budweiser and Coca-Cola and uh, people like that, big names putting money into the sport, which yeah. you know really uh, helped the organisation. And we had you know crowds of 4,000, 5,000 at games, and yeah. you know that was really made a difference. So uh, now you know even though there is uh, a far greater um, prevalence of people who know about the NFL in the UK, mm. if you ask most of those would 
I, don't, I doubt they, most of them would know about Britpop. And that's no. one, one of the biggest issues we need to get across is getting people to understand that that exists over here and, yeah. and they can play over here or go and watch over here. Mm. And it doesn't have to be only when the NFL come over. No, absolutely. And so, yeah, I, I can certainly attest to that as well. I, I experienced my first Britpop this, this season. Um, again, last season, if you'd have said to me, oh, what's your nearest team? I wouldn't have been able to tell you um, yeah. one team at all but now I know all the teams up here I know obviously a lot of teams down south and say the, the point of doing these interviews with with the coaches and the players is again just to try and get people that didn't necessarily know about their local teams or you know the, yeah. it was so prevalent here that you know to get down and, and go, 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 go and watch a bit of American football while the off season is um, in, yes, in, exactly. in the building but, and that's the, one of the good things that um, from an officiating point of view now I uh, that's what I do, which um, I can do all year round because we have the colleges through the winter season mm. and then they stop for a couple of weeks. And then we have the senior league through uh, till August, September time. And then we start with the colleges again. So uh, it's all around football where, you know, officiating in the States, it's very much condensed into a, a few weeks in uh, September, October, November, December. And mm. that's it. They have to sort of rest up and find something else to do for the rest of the year, but that's not the same over here. No, no, absolutely not. And I say, let's put a very good segue into kind of what you, you do now. Obviously, yeah, you, you do your, the refereeing, officiating, and you also, uh, I believe, schedule the refereeing. Um, do you just want to talk about what kind of, what goes into that on the admin side? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm one of the people that uh, schedule the referees. Yep. Um, I assist the operations director in um, sorting out what crews go where, which obviously is a logistical nightmare at times, but a joy at some others. And uh, we need to make sure that we get balanced crews to cover all the games. And mm. with the games growing at such a rate they are, then that's obviously a, a challenge. So we need to get more people refereeing, yeah. which, you know, to put the plug in, uh, it's a great thing for people who not necessarily would want to compete at football, but do love football. Yeah. Um, they can come, they can get involved, you can use their experiences of you know, the NFL downwards, because we do play slightly different rules, but it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, use that experience of watching it and to say, right, okay, well, let me learn a little more about how those rules work and uh, put that into practice. Yeah. So I help the operation director in scheduling the crews into the various different games at different levels. And also the different um, levels, like women's, youth, etc. They all get into the into the mix when we uh, go about scheduling a crew. So today I'm working a couple of weeks ahead, and I'm trying to guess where uh, playoff teams will be located because okay. obviously the yep. team locations are going to dictate where we actually draw referees from. So yeah. uh, it's one of the challenges at this time of the year, particularly, is that we don't know exactly what we're going to be needing mm. until very shortly before the week that we need it. No, absolutely. And I say a couple of games that I've gone to up here, I think we've pretty much had the same referee uh, officiating uh, crew uh, at most of the games, because I, I recognise them from game to game. Yeah, it, it, recognise faces. Yeah, absolutely. But what it might be yeah, we have a, th about three crews in Scotland that mm. uh, go around the uh, various teams up there. Mm. And obviously the uh, the organisation that is, but is that BAFRA? Yes, it is, yeah. yes. So BAFRA.info if anybody wants to go to the website. Yeah, well, it might be worth taking the opportunity, Roger, if you just wanted to kind of explain what, how, you know, say, say someone, one of the listeners out there is interested in becoming a referee. How, how what kind of, the, what, what does the journey look like there to be to be a referee yeah, or to learn? It might, might be worth just um, well, telling before they take the field, they first of all need to uh, understand, obviously, enough of the rules that they're not going to be an embarrassment to anybody, including themselves out there. Yeah. So we have a mentor program where anybody who shows interest will get mentored by a local uh, official and they'll go through various sections of the rules to cover all different aspects of not only the rules, but where the official 
social needs to be on the play. And this is the thing that most people don't understand about officiating is that we're not all watching what you would watch as a fan. On any different play, all the officials are watching different areas. So the white hat or the main referee will be watching the quarterback. The guys on the side, they'll be watching the line play. The umpire in the middle will be watching the interior line play. And the guys deep will be watching the receivers, typically. But in different play scenarios, different people are covering different areas. And the key thing is making sure that as much of the 22 men at any one time are being watched which is not always easy when uh, there's mayhem going on everywhere. Um, But that's our intention, to make sure that we're watching the key aspects of the the ball and the play at all times, Um, not just everybody watching the ball, because Mm. then so much gets missed off the ball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, so it's obviously that they'd meet with, uh, yeah, like you say, the local official there and then have to go through a kind of a little programme there. How, How long would that normally, that generally take? And do they have like a test to go through? Yeah, it takes a few weeks. Uh, it depends on the level of experience. I mean, somebody who's played before obviously has a fairly good understanding of what's involved. Yep. It's only a few sessions. I can't remember. I think I did it in four sessions. But um, obviously, if you've not um, been a rules studier before, then it may take a little longer. Mm. But it, it doesn't have to be four or six or eight. It's as much as is needed to you feel comfortable. Mm. And even then, before you can take the field, you need to pass a test. Um, once you've passed that test, then you will uh, go with usually your buddy again to a game and they will stand behind you and uh, talk you through what you need to do. Yep. Make sure you're comfortable, make sure that, you know, put into practice what you've been learning in theory. Because it's obviously like playing, you know, you can learn it in uh, in theory, but playing is very different to yeah. actually uh, seeing what it says on the book. Yeah. And uh, the, the buddy stays with you, gets you comfortable in the position. And then once that's happened, then you get um, another 10 game before you're actually qualified as an official and even then you uh, need to pass um, uh, I won't say a test but you know they need to get approved that the director of training agrees that you've come up to the level of standard to be qualified official okay. so it's uh, a few weeks to get going then a few more weeks to uh, take to the field before you're actually qualified hmm. so uh, by the time somebody gets qualified they usually got a good level of experience as well as the rule knowledge yeah and then we uh, have an annual test as well so that we have to pass that and um, to Keep, keep officiating or we have to take it to keep officiating mm-hmm. so um, it's an ongoing learning process and uh, even four or five years in most people are still learning yeah. so uh, it's uh, unfortunately everybody expects an official to be perfect from day one but yeah. in reality like all players they are still learning as well and uh, they will make the occasional mistakes but they probably know more about the rules than you do when you shout from the sideline. Yeah, and I was just going to mention on that, on that Roger. Obviously, um, the couple of games I've been to, the it's been fairly respectful to to the officials. But um, obviously, like with with Sunday league soccer, if you like, um, obviously the referees is not is is a very much a thankless job. But what is it? Do the the, the officiating for the American football do they get paid as well? And you know, what how, what's your yeah. general view of the respect shown to to the officials? Have you had any kind of nightmare scenarios where a certain team are disrespectful to the officiating and or any stories behind that yeah take your question in turn yes they get paid uh, they also get expenses depending on the the um, length of travel etc mm-hmm. that they need to do yeah. um, as they go up the greasy uh, pole of officiating and get to international levels they also get uh, flights and uh, uh, hotels paid for when they actually go and officiate abroad so nice. it's, it's uh, quite a program to get going mm. um, to cover the teams um I find generally teams are very respectful. Yeah. Obviously, the heat of the moment, you know, the, the, their hearts in the game and, you know, emotions are strong and, you know, occasionally it boils over. 
but most of the times that's um, quickly uh, sorted out. And um, in my experience, uh, the teams are very uh, respectful of the officials, so are the players. And we have many officials who officiate American football now who've been or are uh, football officials or cricket officials, and uh, they say the same, that uh, generally speaking, the uh, level of respect it's shown to the officials is very, very good over here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, um, if I remember correctly, there's a couple of guys in the NFL that retired this year, maybe. So maybe get them on the phone and uh, get, <laughs> yeah. get them to come over we, here. Well, it's funny you should say that, but we actually have an annual conference and uh, we actually do have uh, some of the key officials from the states actually over to talk at our conferences. Um, so we have uh, people like Bill Lamonio, who you might see on ESPN mm. uh, as their rules analyst. So yeah. he's been over a few times and he's an honorary member of BAFRA. He's also uh, in charge of the international officials because uh, BAFRA submit officials that go out to the international tournament. So we had a couple of guys out in Finland for the European Championships and Bill Lamonier coordinates the officials for the international game. Mm. So he comes over and other people uh, like him have been over and, and talk at the conferences. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very. Say, there's a lot more. There's a lot more that goes into it than uh, the meets the eye. Obviously, uh, it has to be all coordinated to make it all obviously run smoothly. But um, yeah. you, you mentioned. Uh, well, hopefully, you know, a good game for officials is when we come off and nobody's noticed we were there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've done a good job because we shouldn't be the centre of attention. We no. should make the game run smoothly. No. And if we come off and they not paid any attention to us, then that's a good game. Yeah. No, absolutely. You mentioned uh, a couple of minutes ago about obviously double coverage. Uh, I noticed obviously you write a couple of articles for them as well and do you maybe yep. just want to describe what what you do for what you know obviously uh, I've mentioned double coverage a couple of times before on previous podcasts but do you maybe want to give uh, a, a pull back the curtain a little bit and give a bit more into what double coverage do what they aim to achieve and how you kind of uh, support that yeah sure well double coverage are the number one source for information about brick bowl yeah. um and also cover the nfl and i'm their nfl correspondence for want of a better term i also cover articles on the rules as my officiating background and things like game pass which is the way of watching uh, the football through a variety of apps and desktop and laptops and things like this and i cover those uh, aspects there as well um so in terms of uh, being involved, I've been involved with double coverage for probably two or three years now. Um, I'll take photographs of, for them at times. My, my background is I'm a photographer by trade. Um, so occasionally you'll see me taking photos when I'm not officiating or when an in illness or injury takes me out. Then uh, you might <laughs> see I'm on the sidelines taking pictures. So it's a shame you can't take the camera onto the field because you know, if, you, if you've got someone uh, <laughs> so, someone uh, debating what yeah. the, the holding call, you could take a picture and say, look, there you go, there's the, ho <laughs> there's the holding. Hey. It's finished there. You talked earlier about, you know, what are the advancements um, in the sport? And, and one of the key ones is the ability to watch video back. Yeah. It's such a great learning um, tool to be able to watch a game because, you know, it happens so quickly on the field. And the ability to sit back and say, OK, now let's analyze this slowly and say, right, were we in the right position? Were we looking in the right direction to spot that uh, um that call should we have called it so you know some of these things are they're not only judgment calls in terms of was there an offense but there's also a judgment as to did it in fact impact on the play mm. so if it didn't impact on the play then do we really want to be calling it because we're going to be slowing the game down by then stopping and saying right now we're going to announce the penalty and we're going to actually say well you know, that punt has declined because it made no difference to the play yeah. and where it ended up so there will be times there where we're actually making a judgment on whether we should be calling it, not just was it there mm. um, and is it noticeable. Uh, so there's a variety of things like that. And, and video and the ability to look back 
um, is really one of the main differences nowadays um, that uh, I would say is different between when I was actually playing and coaching. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, yeah, it's a double coverage uh, for those that, listeners out there that don't know about double coverage. It's a just pop over. I think is it doublecoverage.com or .com? I can't remember off the well, top of my head. Well, it's dbl dblcoverage.com in yeah. terms of the website. Um, most people probably know the um, double coverage from their Facebook page, which is yeah. probably where most activity goes on. Yeah. But the the website is a great resource for looking up um, tables of where teams are, yeah. what their fixtures coming up are, yeah. what results have been on there. Yeah. So it's a good way of keeping everybody informed of what's going on in Britball. Yeah, absolutely. It covers, you know, youth, women, adult content and, and I think yeah, all this stuff as well. So. Everything basically with a little bit less on flag because there's just so much going on and um, yeah. there's only so many people that do it. Most of the people who work with the double coverage are actually doing it on a volunteer basis. So yeah. Uh, yeah. people see a professional website, but, you know, they're not paying for a professional website. So unless they keep uh, contributing towards it, then yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, double coverage is... Uh, time with us is limited i'm afraid yeah no, absolutely and i say i've spoken to a couple of guys um whose name escapes me at the moment i know jason bowdler's one that springs to mind mm-hmm. uh, is yeah. it nick is it nick i can't remember the is it nick I can't yeah remember. nick wilson town is the editor of double coverage uh, uh, his circumstances have changed he's um his uh, girlfriend's pregnant so he's gonna have a baby and so mm. it's obviously far more difficult to sustain life when you uh yeah keeping one going of your own. So uh, that's going to be uh, one factor that will uh, influence what happens to double coverage. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I spoke to a couple of those guys a while back trying to maybe start some um, some ideas for fundraising for them as well. So I'm obviously trying, yeah. I'm quite keen to help them. Um, like I say, you know, they're, they're doing it f- uh, in, the, in their own time because of, of the love of the game and, and what have you. But it'd be nice yeah. to, to try and get them a bit of support. So... We, yeah, in the next couple of weeks or so, we're trying to look at maybe helping raise some funds for those guys. But yeah, yeah they, do, they do they do a great they uh, do a great. It's job. one of those things. You know, if people take it for granted that yeah. double coverage is there to keep people informed about all the things that are going on with Britball, but yeah. uh, if it wasn't there, yeah, people would be so much poorer. Yeah. So uh, if we can keep it going, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I say the, the the coverage on you know fixtures and results, even their, their you know their tweeting of results and scores as they come through. You know, for for people that don't get paid to do that kind of stuff is, is you know, it's credit credit to them. Yeah, uh, so if we, you know, I'll, I'll try and do my bit to help support them a little bit. But, um, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to, to the uh, game in, in, the, in the States then. So are you a big NFL yep. fan or college fan? What, what kind of team do you Yeah, I'm a big team? NFL fan. I uh, have been since, well, before the 80s, actually. I, I, I got into watching American football through a program that used to be on a Saturday afternoon called World of Sport. Mm-hmm. Once a year, they showed 15-minute highlight of the Super Bowl. I used to remember sitting around watching it with my dad thinking, wow, I have no idea what's going on, but it looks great. And um, that's what really got me into American football first. And then when Channel 4 started showing it, I thought, now I understand it. Oh, it's even better. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, so, uh, the NFL I'm a big fan of. And I haven't a particular team. And that really goes back to historically the teams I started supporting when, when it first came over here. Um, started doing particularly well and everybody then jumped on the bandwagon and I don't like to be a bandwagon followers so I basically stopped saying to people that I was a supporter of their team and nowadays I just love any football game Mm. there's some teams I dislike like the Patriots but um, (laughs) other than that uh, I'll watch any game 
Yeah, yeah. No, certainly when I when I first got involved uh, in watching American football, it took me it took me a couple of years to kind of decide the team, and then I decided to for some reason choose the Dallas Cowboys. But um, yeah, no, I, I can certainly sit there and watch. Learn for punishment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to experience highs and lows. Yeah, you can't you can't experience highs if you don't have any lows, and we're going through obviously some lows at the moment. But um, yeah, well, that's I mean. True. <laughs> But the, yeah, no, the, I mean, the first couple of years I watched it, and um, even to now, I, I can just I can sit down and watch any game and just enjoy the game. Whereas, you know, obviously being a big soccer fan back in the '90s and obviously the 2000s, it was kind of like that as well. But then you know you kind of fade out and you kind of just watch your team. But now you know American football it has always been the case of yeah, okay, I'll obviously choose Dallas over any other game at, at the time of, yeah. of a time of watching. Obviously, because they all play pretty much at the same time. But I could quite happily watch any game this either on Sky Sports or you know I have a game pass I, myself. I, I think for me, watching an NFL game because of the parity of the teams, you generally get fairly evenly matched teams and therefore good games. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the things that is a great advantage for NFL because they have the draft system and taking their best players out of college in the way we used to pick five-a-side soccer games. Yeah. The, the worst team picks the first player and the second worst team gets the next player. And so basically over time, um, they things generally even out and they also have salary cap to make sure that they can't just buy up the best players. Yeah. So all those things really, you know, soccer could learn from, never will because obviously the structure doesn't work for them. But yeah. uh, it really helps the NFL. Yeah, certainly salary cap is, I think, is the is the key one there to to stop teams like being being a Man City and uh, yeah, Paris exactly. Saint Germain and all buying their way to a championship. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, do you have any particular thoughts on on the season upcoming? Yeah, any teams that you like or you you intrigued to watch this season, or any storylines kind of that's that have happened? Off? Well, story storyline from my point of view is uh, the new rule about helmet contact. Mm, uh, yeah. um, this is one that is going to have some headlines to begin with. Yeah. Uh, the league is determined to get rid of um, helmet-to-helmet type hits that are avoidable. And this is going to be the, the fine line that the referees have to draw, which is to interpret that rule without actually ruining the game that we know and love. Yeah. And that's going to be, the first few weeks is going to be interesting to see how they interpret the rules. Um, if you take a literal reading of the rules, almost every player on every play is going to get flagged, but that isn't going to happen. They will take a pragmatic view, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Um, but there will be times where people are going, why did that happen? Why is that foul being thrown? And they, they need to understand the rule and why it's been brought in. The NFL has had to respond to uh, issues around concussion. And there was a film with Will Smith called Concussion, which yeah. um, highlighted some of the NFL issues with players who, a bit like being punched drunk in boxing, yeah. the long-term effects of uh, uh, concussions are uh, detrimental to your mental health. Mm. And you've had people uh, taking their own lives and things like this. So uh, the NFL needs to address it and are doing so. And that is uh, going to be the big issue this year, how the referees interpret those new rules and how they make sure that we, it doesn't kill the game we love without... Uh, whilst maintaining the game we love for the future because if uh, the NFL don't do something about it the government will do something about it and yeah. um, that would be worse yeah absolutely you know, and uh, lo and behold uh, Donald Trump obviously tries to stick his oar in at some point as well so he would uh, no doubt yeah, love to I, Donald <laughs> had his own issues with um, the NFL due to his history with yeah. um, um, a previous franchise and the uh, suing of the NFL and things yeah. so uh, unfortunately he's not uh, 
not so even when it comes to looking at the NFL and we'll mm. poke the, the hornet's nest like the kneeling issue with the national anthem. Um, you know, it was all going quiet and nobody was really bothered about it. And then Donald came along and poked mm. the, the bear. And uh, of course, people then objecting to him saying that they can't do it. And that's another issue that will um, be resolved this year, hopefully. Yeah, well, you say hopefully, but um, yeah, I'm so I'm sure I'm certain we've not well, not heard the end of that. But um, yeah, Donald Trump. No, definitely um, not. No, Donald Trump is uh, Donald Trump. I'm not going to go off on a on a rant, <laughs> rant too much. But um, I, I suppose that's uh, that's we can we can kind of leave that one there. But just uh, step, stepping away from America football and NFL and all the like, Roger, do you, uh, do you have any other interests? Obviously, you say your photography. Um, I noticed obviously on your yeah, website well, um, is, is music. Is my main I'm, my main job is a music photography. So I actually take pictures of bands, which uh, for many is a dream job. Uh, I get to be very close to uh, people that people idolise, and um, you know, six feet away from you know, the Rolling Stones or whoever it happens to be that somebody's keen for, then uh, I'm taking pictures mm. that are then used for the press. And um, it's a great job. Yeah. How, how, did, uh, how, did, how did you get into that? And uh, maybe give us one or two of the of your kind of um, awestruck moments where maybe, say, you're in front of the Rolling Stones. <laughs> maybe, maybe give us a couple of memorable gigs I, that you've been to. As a, I was a musician back when I was in the early 20s before I moved down to Northampton. And uh, so that was my interest level. And uh, when I stopped being a musician, I uh, was at that stage keen on photography so i pursued um photography classes in the evening and then started taking pictures of people in bands that i knew which then escalated into taking pictures of bands that i'd never heard of you know and getting paid to do so um it's one of the good jobs that you can actually do whilst you're doing other jobs because mostly mm-hmm. it's in the evening so yeah. if you've got a day job you can do both jobs mm-hmm. and that's what i did for many years and then i uh, turned professional uh, uh, seven eight years ago something like that mm-hmm. Yeah, very nice. So, so it's all about you know wanting to get up in the morning and say if you do a job you love and you know some, something like that is certainly Absolutely. appealing to most people. That's what yeah. that's what it's all about. Uh, which is one of the things I do with football, really, which mm. is doing the thing I love. Um, I dedicate my time to uh, both officiating and to covering things for double coverage because the sport is what I love. And if I can get paid for it, then great. Mm. If I don't get paid for it, then you know I'm still willing to do it because it is the sport I love. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, hopefully one day I'll get paid to to podcast. But uh, certainly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> certainly at the moment it's just again I only started it because I I enjoy talking about football and um, again you know, learning more about Britball this year has, has certainly been an eye yeah. and I just, I just really enjoy doing it and the time the time flies by. So um, I kind of I, I suppose that brings us to the end, Roger. I really appreciate you um, coming on and talking to us and giving us kind of an insight into what goes on uh, in the background of of. Um, of Britball and obviously sharing your experiences uh, back back in the day when you were playing and coaching. So really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. No, very yeah, you're very welcome on uh, any time. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get you on uh, at some point in the future to maybe as things develop for Britball. Yeah, absolutely, love to be on. Awesome. All right, you take care of yourself, and we'll, we'll speak soon. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks. Bye. 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 Roger Goodgraves there, who by far has one of the most smoothest voices I have ever heard. So there you have it. Roger Goodgraves there can be found on Twitter at Roger Goodgraves. Uh, he's obviously can be found on Double Coverage as well, which is dblcoverage.com. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Haven't really got much to talk about at the end. We'll be back again tomorrow with Ben Nuttall from the Manchester Titans. So I hope you can join us for that. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the Britball Week this week. Please let us know your thoughts. Obviously, you can get in touch with us on social media at full 10 yards full 10 yards at gmail.com is the email address. And if you want to be funky, you can go to the Voice Byte website or download the Voice Byte app 
and you can get in contact with us that way. Uh, just find the hashtag F10Y. But that's going to do it for this week's show, uh, today's show. And we'll be back tomorrow. Hope you can join us in the great words of Kevin Cadle. It's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show full10yards at gmail.com.